Welcome back. I hope however that time was spent that there was like a quality of rest, nurturance, ease, even if it was fleeting and momentary. Um, as I mentioned before, we'll just move right into the sit. So I want to invite each of us to allow the body to come into a posture that feels supportive. As I said before, it might be sitting, it might be lying down. And to allow the body to connect into the energies of the earth beneath us. So maybe if you're sitting, sometimes I like to start, so I'll put a little bit of pressure on the balls of my feet, just as a way of saying here, you know, connecting in here. Imagine connecting in with the energies of the heavens. We sort of take our place and kind of click <laughs> in, yeah. Earth energy below, energy of the heavens above. And we take our seats here as daughters of the Buddha, sitting in circles as women have done, I believe, since <laughs> we've been here <laughs> through the millennia. And just taking a moment to feel into the lineage that this online song I've mentioned a couple of times already today of four years, the Thursday group on the land at Spirit Rock, 20 plus years, you know, these teachings, 2,600 years. And again, the confidence I have that women have been gathering in circles since the beginning of time. And allowing yourself to feel into this lineage and both of our our matriarchal uh, lineage of our personal lives. And this is not about the personality of our, our mothers or mothers before, but just if there are issues there, but just the, the power of the lineages that we're sitting in. And I bring this in only as a way of uh, deepening or inviting ourselves to deepen into a sense of connection. Yeah. Our song of sisters who aren't with us here today, but whom we've come to know and love. Yeah. Really taking our place in this family here that has such deep roots. So this theme of the sit, as some of you may be intuiting already, is a sense of connection. So it might be useful to allow some of the attention just to stay with a sense of connecting to the earth energy below us or the earth element within us. Yeah, the steadiness of the bones. Can we rest in the bones? This, again, the relative stillness, relative solidity, this amazing skeletal form of ours, just resting there, the bones and the joints. Imagining if it's helpful, the earth element around you, whether you're in an area of hillsides or plants or rocks, you know, that iconic image of spirit rock with the tree and the rock. What allows you to feel grounded? 
And can we just rest there? Oh, this is what the body feels as I imagine a sense of grounding to the earth and to the body. This is what it actually feels like, even if it's fleeting. So this emphasis on connecting to ourselves, our bodies, to the natural world of which we are a part, we're not separate from. And knowing the mind might have other ideas. Okay, it's just thoughts. The fabrication of the mind. We know enough that we don't have to believe the thoughts. We don't have to follow along. Often we do. And then we just catch it like, oh, wait, come back. Feeling feet on the ground. The earth beneath us. The earth element within us. Rest. Rest here. Please remember, there's no such thing as a bad sit. We come, we take our seats, and we see how it is. And sometimes the environment can be pleasant and still and steady, and sometimes less so. Okay. We don't have to make that a problem. We can know that it's either pleasant or unpleasant. But we're really allowing or inviting in this kind of wide-angle lens How is it in the body just now, resting in this earth element, resting upon the earth? Releasing any need to follow along or stay with a thinking mind. Yeah. Okay. Sweet mind, you do what you do, but we're going to stay here. (laughs) And again, leaning into the support of the Sangha. And leaning into any of the other lineages that I mentioned that might feel helpful and supportive and connective. And again, please feel my appreciation for the opportunity we have to sit together.
so nice to sit together. It's always a delight and often crosses my mind. Let's just sit the whole time <laughs> together. Um, but I won't do that um, without telling you. Um, but thank you again for being here. And today, I sort of, we've been on the theme here um, for the last couple of weeks. And one of the threads has just been connection and the sense of belonging. And last night I was in a class, it's a 10 month training and every other Wednesday we meet for a couple hours and we broke into small, small groups and there are a set of questions and questions sort of what's most concerning to you about the world today. And it's a natural world, um, societal world of the humans and everyone, everyone spoke about a sense of disconnection, disconnection from each other, disconnection from the earth, the disconnection from ourselves, and then sort of followed, that was sort of the number one topic that people have named, and then sort of the polarization that's happening. And Carly and I were speaking of this a little bit earlier, and probably was like, I don't know that we're really as polarized as we're led to believe, because um, this way of when we drop into as humans, the, the desire to belong, the desire to be known and seen, the capacity to love, that's wired in. And how can we sort of shift, this is a big ask, <laughs> globally, to sort of be able to place our attention there as opposed to um, in the getting ensnared in the machine in a way that I think kind of keeps us believing that we are um, need to kind of pick which camp of us versus them and uh, the hatred and that uh, great quote from uh, James Baldwin. Um, I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because they sense once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with the pain. And I might add to that um, the reality of how um similar we really are and that there can be a protection a false protection and the, the us versus them and this isn't really what i want to be talking about but much more leaning into the sense of connectivity and how we are just literally wired for connectivity um i was listening to a talk by tara brock and i don't remember who this quote is from but it's an attachment scientist but it's not the survival of the fittest but it's the survival of the most nurtured yeah in this way that many of us (laughs) maybe didn't get the nurturing we wanted when we were young um but that's not the end of the story right with the amazing work that's being done with neuroplasticity and what the brain studies show about what happens when we meditate that the brain is not fixed and how through our ability through this practice and many other doorways that we can walk through that allow us to cultivate the sense of connection um, to heal in the way that which we didn't get when we were young. Ideally, we get it then. <laughs> A lot of us didn't. Okay, so that's just part of then this this lifetime's journey. Yeah, how do we find a way to connect to ourselves, which means for many of us kind of working through uh, with connection and support the various traumas that kept us from actually being able to have that early nurturance. Yeah. And these are hard steps to take. I don't say that lightly, um, but that I feel like the, um, what I love so much about these teachings is it gives us a way to be with ourselves, to actually 
take the radical act of sitting for half an hour in silence. Many of us are by ourselves in rooms all over, you know, the country or sometimes the world. It's a radical act. And it can be scary. I know sometimes when, certainly in the beginning, it's like, what? (laughs) Sit with this? Um, And even now when the, the, sort of we get entangled in just the challenges of being in the manifest world, it's hard to sit with a mind that is all over the place or the pain, the sorrow, the grief of what's happening to the world, what's happening to those that are dear to us. It is a rough time to be human. And I would say, our uh, ancestors would be like, honey, it's always been hard. Hard in different ways. It's always been hard. Yeah. Okay. It's hard and it's beautiful. And how do we keep orienting towards in the realm of 10,000 joys and sorrows uh, and with the negativity bias, which we're also kind of wired to have. They're like, wait, these teachings can show us that which the mind ponders so inclines the mind. So where are we inclining the mind? And um Again, as I mentioned in the in the arriving sit, I it never gets old for me this capacity that we can watch and therefore have some ability to direct or redirect where the thinking mind goes. So it's the sort of perseverating on this relationship, this person, this work, da 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 da, da and like, oh wait, stop. You know, we can get caught in those eddies of thinking, yeah, often negative <laughs> or outwardly blaming or well, like, why me? All that. And yes, but is it serving us? And if not, this is my favorite part, we can do something else in the teachings of the Brahma Viharas, Metta, loving kindness. Oh, here, put your mind here. Put your mind on, may I be happy. May I be peaceful. Uh, And sometimes we need a lot of help to be able to do this. Um, I know personally, (laughs) it's not a question of, oh, just change lanes in the mind. Those grooves are are tough sometimes to break out of. And there are so many ways in which we now know how to do so. And I believe so strongly that the power of our coming together week after week, power in the Sangha, a power in these practices are ways to change, um, be able to uh, develop and cultivate different neural networks and different ways of believing and inclining the mind. So this poem Uh, from Rosemary Watola Trummer, Belonging. And if it's true we are alone, we are alone together the way blades of grass are alone, but exist as a field. Sometimes I feel it, the green fuse that ignites us, the wild thrum, I'm sorry, the green fuse that ignites us, the wild thrum that unites us, an inner hum that reminds us of our shared humanity Just as 35 trillion red blood cells join in one body to become one blood, just as 636,000 notes make up one symphony, alone as we are, our small voices weave into the one big conversation. Our actions are essential to the one infinite story of what it is to be alive. When we feel alone, we belong to that grand communion of those who sometimes feel alone. We are the dust. The dust that hopes, a rising dust, a thrill of dust, the dust that dances in the light with all the other dust, the dust that makes the world. So beautiful. And we'll just stop there <laughs> and reflect upon this as our this beautiful invitation of like, yeah, however many billions of red cells have become one blood, you know, these different voices. And sometimes we are alone, but there are people who are alone. 
and we are connected in that, right? Sometimes we are surrounded by people and we still feel alone, right? So where do we find in ourselves those, the armoring, the shielding that's protected us, you know, giving thanks for the way that armoring kept us safe through whatever we had to navigate through or are still navigating through. And yet, can we open up to find the areas of connectivity that are safe enough? That line, you know, the only, the false sense security is the only kind there is. <laughs> you know, the idea of safety is uh, challenging. Safe enough, right? So trusting enough that when there are ruptures, there will be a repair. Trusting in our own goodness. Yeah, and we didn't all get that when we were young. Sometimes for many, it was kind of quite the opposite. So it takes some scrabbling out of those rabbit holes to come back out, to look around like that story of Plato's cave. You know, when you are in the cave, that's what you think the world is, but you can step outside the cave. Oh, there's light. There's other ways of being in the world. There's a whole world to get from, to become familiar with. And I've shared the story before, but early, um, in my retreat sitting days, I had the great fortune to work as, what do they call it? Like, like a mindful counselor for the family retreat. Um, this is sort of in the first five years of my practice. And uh, the family retreat, for those of you who don't know, is <laughs> this is a very chaotic, beautiful, um, I think it's only five days, but it can feel like longer. Retreat where all these amazing families from all over, wherever, come to do retreat practice at Spirit Rock. And little kids, um, and big kids and teens playing uh, rock music in the halls and um, their monastics come to work with the parents. And it's a beautiful, very lively uh, celebration for the families. But the first year I was there as uh, a counselor and um, <laughs> um, to be able to watch families relating. Oops, sorry. Uh, the kindness and the um, power of this, the gentleness of these families. As it, 25 years later, it blows me away. At the time, I was like, oh, this is how families can relate. And it was so, sorry, it's funny, so touching. But the ability to see what's possible and also claim me like, oh, I didn't get that. Not from a, a place of, feeling victim as a victim but just i didn't even know it was possible it was like the plato's cave like oh it can be like this and the power of being able to that momentary dropping in of oh it doesn't have to be like what my experience or what my past or what my thoughts are it can be otherwise right and i think that's probably why every time i say it when we meet like we can watch what the mind does we can watch what the stories are that we tell ourselves, we can watch what we give power to. Yeah. If I had not been, uh, had my eyes had not been open enough to see and take in the sweetness of how these families were, um, I would have missed it, right? So it's sort of being available enough to see what else is there, which also um, pulls in the need to be able to understand I, there's more, I don't know. My experience is my experience, but that's not the whole story. My thoughts are my thoughts, not the whole story. My perceptions, my assumptions, not the whole story. Yeah. And in so doing, there's like, oh, what else is possible? And I think these teachings really allowed me to feel like, 
oh, sweetie, so much is possible, even if it's just in this moment, in the next. So the idea that we might reach that field of nirvana, yeah, <laughs> probably not. But the idea of being able to touch into it moment by moment, and I think one of these ways, a, um, a doorway, since I seem to be on that theme of doors, is by being able to see and be open to a sense of belonging. Yeah, to watch those families. I mean, it blew me away. Like, oh, that's a way, that's the belonging. And I was there enough to feel a sense of belonging just by being in the field, um, relative field with these families. Um, so unfortunately, I do not have this, uh, a Sebenay's book, but she, Sebenay Selassie, a teacher at New York Insight, she comes to Spirit Rock. Um, she has a book called You Belong. And um, since I can't read, from the book, I'm going to read from a little bit of her website, but she says, um, in the book, you belong. This is her writing. I reveal accepting your belonging is the key to facing the many challenges currently impacting our world. Uh, uh, to belong is, an, is to experience joy in any moment. To feel pleasure, dance in public, accept death, forgive what seems unforgivable, and extend kindness to yourself and to others. To belong is also to acknowledge injustice, reckon with history, and face your own shadows. Um, it goes on, but this a fullness, like it includes all things. It's not a um, like becoming a doormat, right? We get to see with different a different sense of clarity of what do we believe in, what do we want to fight for, who do we want to stand up for. First, can we connect into ourselves? Yeah, we will only be stronger for it. And it takes some doing, right? Particularly with those of us with d- developmental trauma or trauma in our backgrounds, it takes some doing to be able to find our way back home into ourselves because that armoring has been like, no, <laughs> I'll keep you safe, but we're going to compartmentalize or keep things separate. And the, again, these teachings are like, okay, yes, that's true. In the ways that we put parts of ourselves in exile or even just like the like grouchy part that is um, can be more afflicted by the negative emotions. Okay, sweetie, that's welcome too. You know that line I quote all the time from Rumi of of the guest house, like welcome and entertain all the visitors. They have been sent as a guide from beyond to open yourself to new delights. Yeah. So this is this lifetime. These are the cards we hold. Some good, some bad. Some, Some of us in this room, some of us on this world have a really hard deck of hand of cards, right? Of course. Okay. What do we do with our own such that we can clear through, move through, release that which uh, keeps us from really belonging to ourselves? Because there's such a cost to not allowing that work to happen. It prevents us from really being able to show up in the world as someone that can say, I see you. I'm here. I can connect with you. I can hold space for you. Flawed. (laughs) and I'm going to make mistakes, but there's an openness, there's a vulnerability, there's an availability that only comes with a reckoning of, okay, can we drop in and connect as fully as we can with ourselves? Uh, This poem from Linda Ruther. And the great mother said, come my child and give me all that you are. I'm not afraid of your strength and darkness, of your fear and pain. Give me your tears. They will be my rushing rivers and roaring oceans. Give me your rage. It will erupt into my molten volcanoes and rolling thunder. Give me your tired spirit. 
I will lay it to rest in my soft meadows. Give me your hopes and dreams. I will plant a field of sunflowers and arch rainbows in the sky. You are not too much for me. My arms and heart welcome your true fullness. There is room in my world for all of you, all that you are. I will cradle you in the boughs of my ancient redwoods and the valleys of my gently, gentle rolling hills. My soft, wind, my soft winds will sing you lullabies and soothe your burdened heart. Release your deep pain. You are not alone and you have never been alone. And I'm not sure why I'm quite so teary today, but it's definitely right at the surface. But just as I was reading this, just imagining if as babies, we were read this poem, which I might move us into in a little bit, but this availability of teaching, oh yes, in all of this pain, that message of you are not too much. I mean, how many as women have been told, be quiet. You're too much, too emotional, too sensitive, right? Too angry, right? So this idea of, mm, no, you are not too much. And again, this beautiful, in the poem, sort of the great mother offering this, but then also to, can we offer this to ourselves? Yeah, you're not too much. This pain, this suffering, this sorrow, it might feel like too much. In which case, then who do we pull in to offer support? Sometimes those dark neighborhoods to borrow from that classic line of Annie Lamont are too dark to move in alone okay so we bring in help yeah whether it's ancestral or um, animal realms or whatever it is to where do we need help and of what kind because we are not alone and we cannot do this alone right you know someone's poem David White's I think you know the art uh, something like the greatest crime in Stockholm, but um, you know, is to act the drama as if we are alone. Yeah, and I feel like there are so many forces in the world that are saying just that. And to be able to take this radical act of believing, oh, I am actually connected. I can allow myself to be collected, uh, connected to myself, to the natural world around us. Um, in a different talk. Um, by Tara Brock, she was um, quoting from a book. I know she was friends with Maladelmi Samay, one of this beautiful um, East African teacher. He came to Spirak a couple of times, um, but he, when he was four, he was kidnapped by the Jesuits and was taken away from his village until he was in his 20s and raised by Jesuits. Um, and when he went back, this is me retelling the story of Tara Brock. Um, and I'm not sure which book of his, he tells the story, but he was, before he could be fully embraced back into his uh, community, they had him do sort of what I'm going to paraphrase. It's kind of like a month retreat. And part of this was like, sit here in front of this tree. And in the beginning, he's like, this, I'm being ostracized. This isn't fair. I don't, and all the anger came up, no doubt from all the trauma, but just a sense of like, I'm still out here by myself. And as um, in the story that allowing this rage to move through him and the sorrow that this tree that he was sitting before has transformed into this loving green spirit. And in telling the sort of his awareness and realization and homecoming to, oh, 
we are really connected to the natural world if we but allow ourselves to know it, to take the time to sit in the natural world, to feel that vibrational connection. Um, and Robin Kimmer, Kimmer, the book Braining Sweetgrass, she speaks about this too, of the animacy of the world around us if we but allow ourselves to know it. The aliveness of the stones, the aliveness of this world, the aliveness of this body. We are all connected of the same energetics. Yeah. Energy moving through, energy moving through this field, through each of our individual fields, collectively forming the Sangha, collectively forming this world around us. If we can orient the mind to allow us to see, be open to, to be curious about the sense of connectivity. Let Love Go by Jeff Foster. Forget about transcending the body. Love it instead. Let the I let go of the idea of letting go. Instead, let love go deep into the tender places, the parts that ache. Breathe into your sadness. Let your fear move deep within. Bow to your uncertainty. There is an untouchable place in you that fearlessly allows itself to be touched. Here, even in your unworthiness, has worth. And that old feeling that you are unlovable, it's lovable here. There is so much room in you, friends, so much room. There's nothing wrong with you, including the idea that there is something wrong with you. So stop trying to love yourself. Simply be the self that loves. So stop trying to love yourself. Simply be the self that loves. This from Padre Cotuman. Hope, says Augustine of Hippo, has two lovely daughters. Anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and the courage to change them. I think that if the body has two wise daughters, then there are loneliness and vulnerability. Loneliness in order to face your true self and vulnerability enough to tell the story to others. Friendship with your body should be based not on comparison, but on something more solitary. Friendship with others should be based on need and generosity, not dominance. So loneliness has a lovely son, confidence, and a loving brother, generosity. And they are all shown in both the language and gesture of the body. Hmm? So loneliness has a lovely son, confidence, and a loving brother, generosity. And they are shown in both the language and gesture of the body. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And to feel into this family that Patrick Lotuma illustrates that lives within us, the daughters of anger and courage, the daughters of loneliness and vulnerability, the son of confidence, the loving brother of generosity. These are the siblings we can relate to, yeah, with inside of us. And what can we learn and what is what are we taught by these beautiful elements of generosity, the vulnerability and touching into our loneliness, the courage, yeah, to believe and feel into, oh, yeah, this, these are parts of me. This is me, too among other siblings. And allowing this openness 
to feel into the fullness and complexity of this being of ours, driven by stories, often some of them not so helpful, driven also by our desire to wake up to see what is actually true. How do I show up in the world in the fullness of my heart? What are the hindrances? Where do I get caught in greed or aversion or doubt, restlessness, worry? Or that checking out? Okay. These are just part of how it is. These are things that show up on this path of ours. Okay. So we work with them. We get close. And we turn towards ourselves with an accepting embrace. So I'm going to ask each of you to imagine yourself as a little one. And imagine this little one somewhere that is just so beautiful, such a place that you love as an adult that you love. It may be somewhere from your childhood. But when you imagine yourself in this place, there's just such a delight. The smell, whether it's in the oceans or in the in the woods or in the meadow or on the ocean or by a river. Or if it's somewhere not in the natural world, but <laughs> revealing my own, um, own mind where that goes. But just again, imagining yourself somewhere beautiful where you feel at ease and comfortable, relaxed. And maybe that The image of the little one is she's sitting on your lap. And imagine saying, as I will read this and imagine it's coming from your mouth to embrace this little young part of yourself. Come, my child, and give me all who you are. I'm not afraid of your strength and darkness, of your fear and pain. Give me, my dear little one, your tears. They will be my rushing rivers and roaring oceans. Give me, little one, your rage. It will erupt into molten volcanoes and rolling thunder. Give me, little one, your tired spirit. And I will lay it to rest in my soft meadows. Give me, little one, your hopes and dreams. And I will plant a field of sunflowers and arch rainbows in the sky. You, little one, are not too much for me. My arms and heart welcome your true fullness. There is room in my world for all of you and all that you are and all that you will be. I cradle you in the boughs of my ancient redwoods and the valleys of my gentle rolling hills. My winds will sing you lullabies, little one, and soothe your burdened heart. Release your deep pain. You are not alone, my dear. You have never been alone. So I'm going to stop there. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm going to ask you first just to feel, notice what you feel. Some of you may have had parents that might have read them something like that, and some of us did not. But imagine how is that that little one, can she take these words in? You are not alone. 
all of you is welcome. There is room in the, my world for all of you. All that you offer will be met and held and nurtured and made space for and be welcome. And notice, can you drink this in as you offer it to your little one? You are also offering it to your adult wise self right here. Yeah. This knowing, oh yeah. This is how I could move in the world. Connection to self, to these different parts of ourselves. Trusting in the connection to the natural world around us. Release your deep pain. You are not alone. And you have never been alone. Now I'm going to stop and just appreciate your kind attention and your generosity in being here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.